welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Welcome back after our cute little break, summer summer recess, some would say. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I quite literally was like, I'm tuning out from the world this week, which I did. And I'm so glad I did, especially after the horrendous news of the week before and the Friday right before 4th of July. But one thing I did come back to was the weird cocaine thing in the White House. Did you see this? I did. And I was what, similarly kind what of like is the story there? off the grid. And I yeah. I did see the headline like pop up on my phone. But okay. I didn't like dig into it until after. But Same. essentially, essentially, this is apparently what happened is that Secret Service does sweeps of the West Wing, which smart, good, happy they do. <laughs> yeah. Of like, yeah, right. You know, there's tours that come through looking for anything that could be suspicious, dangerous, et cetera, whatever. In one of their You mean the sweeps, tour that we didn't get invited to? Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Sorry to interrupt. So it's just, yeah. Well, in the sweep, they find this little like bag with like some white stuff in it. Now, Classic. if this were like hanging, like I guess, you know, on the streets, a club, a restaurant, I don't know, whatever. I think the assumption would be that it's Coke. But yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of cocaine jokes that can be made right now that so we'll hold in <laughs> so many was it found but in the bathroom <laughs> what room was it in there are so many questions i've even like <laughs> visually like thought about it too i'm like where would this have like been like i the wheels have turned let me tell you but because it was in the white house there's of course a question of like what actually is it like yeah like is it anthrax is it something else and i totally like so i think first i think it was like scare like what is this then it was confirmed that it was coke then rumors swirled that was it Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden was in the White House. But then that was like coming from like the right. And then schedules came out that like he wasn't there at like the time that this would have like been his. I also the thing is like, that would have just been like least of my worries about Hunter Biden, you know, least of my worries <laughs> as well. And in addition, and this is don't do drugs, kids, but like learning that someone in politics does cocaine you're like wow shocker shocker they also drink water it's like there's this meme i that's like shoot i'm gonna i always mess it up and it's like when you're an adult and you find out that like everyone does coke and like it's something specific it's like very much that i think in like certain industries not this making us sound like we do a lot of coke i do not i swear on my life i do not on god on god but nope no, it's really funny you raised that point because I feel like the political Zach's space. That's going to kill us. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, gosh. <laughs> no, it's so funny you raised that point because I feel like when people think of the political space, they're like, oh, like they probably don't like swear or drink or like do anything. But little does anyone know, like it's it's one of the most crude spaces of them all, you know? I agree with that. I also think that. Heavy drinking, heavy swearing. A thousand percent. heavy emphasis on the swearing i also just think that it's a high stress industry it's and long hours it reminds me of like the finance industry in Mm. a lot of ways 
I think it has a very like old boys club atmosphere to it, similar to finance. And like, if you've ever dated, known or talked or walked near a finance dude, you know that it's like a drinking Coke and cursing culture. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. Wait, yeah, that, that was, was so good. That was fun. I don't know who all wants the C's. to use that mix for sure. All the C's. Yeah. Oh, I haven't but... had a creative stroke of genius in a while, and I'm just really happy it happened now. Um, Actually, I've yeah. not seen any cooking in my experiences in the political space or in any after-hour situations, and I worked on a campaign, but I'm sure it's out there, and I feel as though yeah. it's especially in those kind of – It's know, more of like it just doesn't surprise spaces. me. It was almost just one of those scenarios that where I like laughed, where I was like, this – of yeah. course, like, but I it is back like, to the I thing. It's like literally, it that's like a, a part of adulthood is just realizing that like cocaine is everywhere and everyone does it except for us. And I really hope people think we're like, don't think we're being sarcastic because I swear on my life, like I really don't. I swear on Biggie's life. There it is. Now everyone knows for there. sure. But yeah, funny, funny story that I didn't expect out of um, this week. And I think there were some ooh. more scandaly type stories. There is another one, and I have been dying to get your thoughts on this because yeah. I already. I, I honestly don't. I don't. Some... I probably don't know it. I literally don't know what happened. So tell me you didn't read the newsletter without telling me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Madison. I but it. it's fine. It's in your inbox. It's hanging out. It's whatever. Also available at our Beehive. So go to the link in the episode. Go to the link in our bio. You know the deal. And then sign up for it too. Get it to your inbox. Digital front door. Yada yada yada. However, the scandal that I wanted to talk about was Marjorie Taylor Greene getting booted from the Freedom Caucus, the House Freedom Caucus, and, like, no one telling her. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Like, I guess she got, like, voted off the island, essentially. And no one's been able to, like, contact her or, like, get a response from her. Oh. So, super weird. She's been exiled. And literally exiled. You know, when, like, a celebrity decides that they're going to break up with whoever they're dating, and instead of telling the person that they're dating, they just send it to the tabloid first, and the person <laughs> finds out that they're being dumped via the tabloid. I think this yeah. happened on, what was that, the real estate show? Selling, uh, Sunset. Selling Sunset. Yeah. Like, that's what it reminds me of, of, like, they, like, oh. instead of, like, breaking up with her, like, giving her a call and being like, hey, MTG Crazy Pants, like, it's over between us. So sorry. Or let's meet and greet and talk it through. And I feel like the infighting within that caucus and within that, like, even smaller group of the Republican Party, the Republican Party as a whole, especially House Republicans, the infighting and just all of the drama that probably ensues within that specific group is something I would quite literally pay all my money to witness. And yeah, I'm just sure... It could be bigger, bigger and better than any Housewives show. Anything like it could be amazing because, you know, I have my theories, too, about the love triangles that are probably happening within that as well. Mm, Gates, mm-hmm. Lauren Bobert. So those are just I have a lot of theories about that whole group and the drama that I'm sure ensues within it beyond just the politics, of course, because that, oh. that could be its own show. A thousand percent. You know who actually does like a good roundup of some of the drama is Roll Call. They have a, I think it's weekly, but like a, yeah, I think it's like a week in review and they put together like, it's almost like a little YouTube video situation, but they post it on their like general site and it goes through like different, like, oh my God, WTF type moments or like moments of no, like some of them are like 
just funny haha. Oh my god, Jersey Housewives moment. Funny haha. Okay. Anyways, long story short, I think there's there's the makings of it. Like someone at roll call us a Bravo producer. Mm. We could do magic. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, there even there really should be another like even just political like drama out there these days. Like what's it called? House of Cards. Like I never like all of those shows. There I feel mm. like there is like a surgence of like political kind of drama shows or even like Veep. You know, like there needs to be to watch that. Yeah, there needs to be another one of those in this in this era because there's not one. I don't think. And yeah, you know, and it can be based on like real events, but obviously having some like Hollywood writers in the room to like really spice it up and make it dramatic would be there's art like but it's like as how snl's already has their content written for them like a show like that would already have theirs as well a thousand percent like Mm -hmm. why differ from the script however this did just remind me of something that i wanted to tell you because you know how i've been on this like ncis binge and like yes down this rabbit hole but the episodes i'm watching circle like 2011 and one of the characters has this like very like con man-esque dad and he's like leaving his son and he's like his son's like oh wait did you get a ticket to like the airport he's like oh i ran into donald trump he said if i like meet him at reagan at like noon i got a flight or whatever and mm-hmm. it was just like interesting to me because trump had some other cameos i feel like back in yeah the- like was home there, like, alone gossip- is there a gossip girl on or something oh Maybe. i think it was in sex in the city actually I recently watched an episode. I think he was in Sex in the City, like early seasons, like yeah. maybe one or two. Yeah. But just funny, like I, at first I was thinking, about, I was like, wow, it's so weird that he had like this pop culture relevance in a way. And then like later on in the show, like Michelle Obama gets a cameo and I was like, like this more than the like Donald yeah. Trump mention. I mean, but regardless, before I just, his political Oh, I think it was. Era, right? But yeah. Oh, this was the other thing connecting to Scandal Celebrity and Donald Trump is Guy Fieri and, like, Mike Wahlberg and, like, all these, like, other just, like, Mike dudes. Mike or Mark? The actor? The hot actor? I think the actor. I think the hot actor. That's Mark. Did you say Mike? I don't know. I don't know. They both sound the same to me. But the actory one, the hotter one. Yeah. I don't know if there's an unhot one. No, but there's the hot just one, one Marky Mark Wahlberg. He's hot. Yep. Yeah, well, I guess they've been like showing, showing fates and giving like thumbs up to Trump. And so there was like response online. Yeah, no, he lost his hotness immediately. Hot card revokes you later, see you never. Gross ick by like you and Jonah Hillstar. Thank you. Anyways, there was like backlash naturally to like the support and like normalization of Trump with these like celebrities. And granted, like Guy Fieri, not shocked. Like he's giving Sarah Palin kid rock vibes. But, like, it's just interesting that these celebs try and, like, bop in or, like, oh, like, let's be, like, little Trumplicans. Like, uh, yeah. I just don't it's, understand. It's like, funny just even if you're the audacity, you know? Yeah, audacity. And speaking of, I quite like... literally had two two guys I used to talk to expose themselves as MAGA. Um, no. So sorry. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. In fact, one was mm-hmm. wearing a MAGA hat. So no, um, no, 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 yeah, no. I told him, take that thing off or I'm throwing it in the barbecue. He didn't. So I that thing would combust from the, the chemicals. <laughs> combust. I just like, why has this happened to me? That's like next they know level, like, they know where I stand and they always just keep yeah. a little secret for a long time. That is crazy. No, it's really you really annoying. get the 
you get the real like smoke and mirrors people. You know what I mean? It's like so twisted. It's and you and get twisted. like the Trump, like the Trumpy ones. Like you don't even get the like. And I'm not defending. No, I don't like even get the like fiscally, conser- yeah, mm-hmm. fiscally conservative, socially liberal. Nope, I get like mm-hmm. real closeted Trumpers, and it's just it's unfair. It's sick and it's twisted. And I'm over it happening to me. Do we think this is because you like are into like the burly like? No, like they're not man? even like burly. No, they're like honestly kind of pretty pretty boys and it's just it's sick and it's twisted there's nothing else to say about it i don't i'm so i don't want to talk about it that's um yeah so that's brutal. anyways but seeing mm. of like con man scandals mm. douchebags we're talking a lot about george santos today we're talking about it with yes. our amazing friend zach zach finally is coming on the podcast and he's running against george santos and we couldn't be more excited to see this shake out. Also, like everyone's heard us talk about Zach five million times. You were at our event in New York. Show. You met you met. Oh him. my god! Yeah, duh. Yes. And like literally, like we'll be like, oh, Zach will know that. Zach, da, 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 da. pretty much just like fill in the blank. Zach's everywhere. We even probably mentioned that in our interview with him. So yeah, Zach's the best. Zach's running against George Santos. He's running for the Democratic primary at New York. He's also the founder of The Next 50, which is an organization that works to get young people elected, progressives elected. Super awesome. They're like killing it. So we love to see it. Love to have Zach on the show. So without further ado, here's Zach. Before we continue with the conversation, we wanted to let you know about another podcast you might enjoy. Are you desperate for American leaders who are ready to meet the challenges of our time? An honorable profession podcast brought to you by the team at The New Deal is here to help. Every week, the podcast introduces listeners to a future game changer in American politics. Past guests include Pete Buttigieg, Senator Alex Padilla, Mandela Barnes, and Mallory McMorrow, national figures who got their start in state and local office and as New Deal leaders. The podcast puts a spotlight on the rising stars who are working to build better communities across our nation as well as the innovative ideas these officials are testing to address climate change, preserve democracy, and face down the other challenges of our time. From fare-free transit in Kansas City to renewable biogas in Lincoln, their guests tell us how they're implementing forward-thinking policies to restore trust in government and rebuild hope for all Americans. Tune in to learn more. You can listen to An Honorable Profession everywhere podcasts are found. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. 
And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing premixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Zach, Zach, Zach. Welcome (laughs) to Girl in the Gov, the podcast. About time. Yeah, it is about time. <laughs> like, you know, only just takes you running for Congress to get on the show. It's, you know, it's those really, mornings. you guys play hard to get. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's the prerequisite. Sorry. <laughs> Look, we're good at a game. And regardless, we got here. And oh, you have such an interesting political background. You're the founder of the next 50. You've been in politics for a while. You are also like a man about town. There's not a political event we have not seen you at, a person <laughs> that doesn't know you. I could yeah. go to a random party, like not related to politics, and someone knows you. I swear to God, it's like six degrees of New York or six degrees of <laughs> Jewish. 
I don't even know sometimes. I also know Kevin Bacon for what it's worth. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. I mean, you know everyone and it's awesome. And we have to talk about how like all these things kind of come together. So maybe let's start with talking about how you got interested in politics, how you started like, you know, making all these, you know, connections and maybe connections like the wrong word, but, you know, sort of like these moments of understanding politics and moving through them. You know, what is this political journey like for you? Well, I hate to bring us away from a moment of levity, but truth be told, I grew up in New York just outside of this city and and the most formative moment of my life was 9-11. And you know, seeing what transpired that day, but even more so what happened in the days after where my neighbors, my family members, et cetera, like went to ground zero to help serve and rebuild New York. As a second second grader, seven years old at the time, feeling relatively helpless, I knew that when I had an opportunity to help and serve, I wanted to be in a, I wanted to do so. And it was it was seeing that in the wake of 9-11 and then now Fast forward you know, 20 years or so, I actually, I actually on that on 9-11, I went for a walk with my father and he explained to me what was happening that day. And then you fast forward 20 years and the world was about to shut down all around us. And I went on a walk and as I was coming back home, my last slice of pizza before the pandemic really shut down the world, I passed the father explaining to his son what was happening. And I think both the thing that both of those moments share is that it was very easy in both moments to be consumed by a politics of fear. And on my journey, I've always tried to find a way to channel a politics of hope. And you know, my community in the wake of the pandemic had felt like public education, public safety, and, and the economy, all their way of life was under threat. And so unfortunately, folks channeled that politics of fear to voting for someone who they didn't know at all who ended up becoming a serial liar, who <laughs> claimed he was Jewish, claimed he had relatives who died in the Holocaust. The, the most astounding one of all was that he said he was captain of his college volleyball team. I can't understand that one. And, and you know, it was, it was that, seeing that, seeing my community in crisis. And what I realized I had two choices. One was to run away and two was to help and serve. And so, you know, sometimes the moment doesn't choose you. Sorry, sometimes you don't choose the moment. Sometimes the moment chooses you. And that's that's where we are right now. And I'm so excited to be running for New York's third congressional district. Yeah, love it. Well, we will definitely get into the George Santos of it all and the oh God, campaign yep. and everything. But before we do, we want to also like highlight the next 50 and what you've been doing yeah. with that work. And kind of, can you explain to everyone, like, what does this org do? What's its mission? Like, what is it solving for? Yeah, well, look, 50 years ago, conservatives came up with a plan to win. And by all measures, they've won. I think nothing highlighted highlights that more than the Dobbs decision that came down this past June, oh, so a year ago this month, actually. And a big part of that plan was a, an investment in young people. In fact, we at The Next 50 don't believe it's a co- coincidence that over 50% of those in Congress who are 50 years old and under are Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, uh, Matt Gates and of course, my home congressman, George Santos. And we believe that in a pluralistic movement, it's important that we invest in the diversity that makes up our, our coalition. And so at the next 50, we back 50 leaders, 50 years old and under, primarily in swing districts and states across the country. Last cycle, we were the number one pack investing in young political leaders and had an 80% success rate in some of the most competitive districts and states, defeating extreme agro Republicans everywhere. 
And well, I guess, you know, I just never really imagined that I'd have the opportunity to or the need to do that in my hometown. And so I'm, I'm really excited by the work that Nick Shifty is doing and continues to do. And I remain a senior advisor there. But, you know, sometimes you have this opportunity to live out the mission that you represent. The last thing I'll say here is I've always really loved investing in young leaders and talent before anyone else sees it. And, and it's been a real privilege to, to do that and invest in leaders across the country. To now have the opportunity to be one of those leaders is actually teaching me so much about uh, the experience of the leaders I've invested in and have had themselves. Um, and it'll make me a better supporter of them. I say to everybody in running for office, there is nobody who is going to do more to invest in the local, state, and national Democratic Party than me. And that's a big reason why I've stepped up to serve. Totally. Because it's like, you know, how, how like the cookie crumbles, you're actually like seeing it from like the inside out, oh which goodness. is just like a perspective. Like you, you can learn, you can hear conversations all you want, but until sometimes you do it yourself, you know, you, there's just something a little bit always like missing of it. You know, the, you the kind of felt thing, the feelings, you know? Craziest thing is on the next 50 team, I'm the only one who hasn't done it. There is a, our political director as a state representative, former state representative from Michigan, who flipped a district red to blue. Um, we have two other folks who have worked in some of the most competitive districts in the states and won consequential Senate and congressional races. I'm the only one who hasn't actually done that. I've been investing in young leaders my whole life, but I've never actually done the work of running in a competitive race before. And so now I'm doing that work, the irony of being the founder of the organization. But I think... Well, I yeah. think to that point, though, it's sometimes... As much as being in it, you have a certain perspective. Sometimes being on the outside and never having done it, you see the holes that the yes. people that have been doing it forever totally. or from mm -hmm. the jump, like, don't see. Like, that's how we felt, like, with founding Girl in the Gov. is like, nope. we saw holes and continue to see holes that someone that might be, like, a total politico that's, like, so in it doesn't see. And so I okay. think having that diversity of team is so important. And I think that's probably, like, why... The next 50 has been so successful because you've been able to actually see that and bring that to the table. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, too, in terms of like that market hole in, in founding the organization, like what made you think like, OK, this is the route we're going to solve. This is the spot in the market that like doesn't exist on the Democratic side, because clearly the Republicans have been figuring it out for a while. Yeah. Like hate them, but they got it. So, no, it's so true. Look, I've been working in the I was working in the tech industry at the time and I had so many friends who were coming into means and they wanted to do something, especially in the wake of Trump's election. Uh, and I started by directing them towards uh, a series of events that I hosted across the country for presidential candidates. We started with a little known mayor from South Bend, Indiana, which feeds the whole fact that I like finding people before everyone else knows who they are and <laughs> ended up hosting 18 presidential candidates across the country. But then the pandemic hit and interestingly, we had already trained Mayor Pete's team on hosting Zoom fundraisers before you needed to host them. And we, in the process of like um, transitioning to our pandemic uh, programming, started to host these young down-ballot candidates in swing districts across the country and raise as much money for them as we did for the presidential candidates. And the outsized impact that we could have on these down-ballot races that were gonna uh, impact majorities at the congressional, state legislative, and, and even municipal levels, uh, made us realize as an organization uh, the, the opportunity we have over the long haul. You know, I always say to folks, political power is not built overnight. It's built over the course of years and decades. And we have this unique privilege as young folks to think on that long time horizon while still recognizing the fierce urgency of now. And, you know, that opportunity to find those folks who 
by the way, some of the next 50s candidates are already running for U.S. Senate, right? Like that's pretty amazing. Some of them, like th we back three of the five candidates in the most competitive congressional races last cycle, two of them won. Like mm -hmm. this difference between majorities and, 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 and having the MAGA, extreme MAGA Republicans in power and making sure that this next generation of folks who are lo were like me working in the tech industry or working in other industries where they're not consumed by politics every day, but can be smarter with how they engage politically um, mm -hmm. is exactly what you guys are doing with Grow on the Gov. It's what I, you know, I have chosen to do now as a career path. Um, and in all honesty, it's part of why I'm, I'm running for Congress. Like this seat in New York's third congressional district could determine whether or not Leader Jeffries becomes Speaker Jeffries, whether or not mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy and his extreme MAGA Republicans control the House. And, you know, to me, there are, I always try to make decisions that in my life that allow for me to have the greatest impact possible. And again, I never yeah. expect this to be it, but this is it. This is it. No, I'm so curious too. Like you mentioned a little bit, <clears throat> some of the thoughts that you had of like jumping into this race, but I'm curious, like also as a friend, I've been wanting to talk to you about this, like the journey of actually like finally making that decision. Super curious, like first what the steps are and like kind of how you got to like finally making this decision. I think it's also such an important conversation we had. If people also are curious about running for office, like what does it take? And like, how do you like finally get there? Yeah. So look, I didn't begin the year with the plan to run for Congress. It wasn't always my goal in life. Like my goal in life is not to be a member of Congress. We you were know? shocked. I'll Maybe say when that. I was 16. For sure. Right. A, a lot of people yeah. who I didn't expect to be shocked were shocked. <laughs> and look, you know, it really began in November of last year. Actually, I would say on Halloween of last year, seven days before uh, George Santos, yeah, very spooky. <laughs> Seven days before George Santos was elected into Congress, I was standing online for about 30 minutes in my hometown, same town that George Santos represents, the town that my family has lived in for over 60 years, to vote in a library board race. We won this library board election by seven votes to prevent book banners from taking over our libraries in my hometown a town that has one of the best public education systems in the entire country, which my grandmother moved to as an immigrant because of that promise of public education. My district, the community that I live in, has about a 20 to 30% immigrant population. Those immigrants move here because of the public education system. But there is a there is a portion of the community now that has been captivated by this politics of fear that's led them to pursuit of banning books and thinking about defunding public education. And, you know, for me, seeing that was the first red flag. The second red flag was George Santos winning a seat that most folks nationally, I mean, in the, in the 60 plus years my family's lived here, a Republicans only won the seat once. And it was in 1980 during the Reagan revolution that candidate only held the, the office for two years. So this is like not a thing that we expected yeah, we, to see happen. And then I got a phone call. Uh, from some local leaders. And they said to me, Zach, time to put up or shut up. And I'm like, oh, not now. Not, 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 I'm not ready for this. But the more I thought about it, and the more I actually really looked at the field of candidates who I who were stepping up and were really the same names that have been stepping up most of my life, but unfortunately, recently have been wholesale rejected by the community, the more I realized that we needed something new. We needed something fresh. In some ways, the election of George Santos was 
an example of the fact that the community was looking for something new and looking for something fresh. They just didn't want someone who was going to be a serial liar and bring shame to the community of F. Scott Fitzgerald, of Judd Apatow, of Natalie Portman, of uh, Aquafina. Like this district has a lot of history. And and now that history is in part stained by George Santos. And so I feel a personal obligation for the community that that raised me to come in and, and, and bring new life and new energy and new leadership so that we can restore the integrity that I think this community's had for not just the 60 plus years my family's lived here, but the better part of the last century. Yeah. Well, I think that leads perfectly to the next question, which is sort of like, how did this happen? How did this George Santos like shit go down? Because I remember last year and even like prior to that, us interviewing a bunch of candidates that were running for that seat. I think it was we were in the Democratic primary phase. So that's like how long ago it was in terms of that seat. And then the redistricting stuff happened and it just was like chaos. And we as ourselves were like, okay, like it's chaotic. But as I think a lot of New Yorkers are, there's a level of like complacency, especially when it's not your district. You're like, oh, okay, like, well, it'll go blue because it's New York. And that's very much not the case. So that's a little bit my POV and perspective on it. But I'm curious, like from your end, like being really like in the mix there, like what happened? How did this go so, so wrong? Great for comedy, though. Bad for like our lives. But again, great for comedy. So how did it happen? Well, SNL honestly might be just like out of a job at this point because like (laughs) our society has is just doing it to itself. Like why turn on a TV when you can just like step outside? But my junior prom date actually is on SNL right now. (laughs) So yeah, Sarah Sherman, she was my neighbor. She grew up up on the block. So, you know, I think Sarah will probably have something to say about uh, this at some point. Look, how did this happen? Well, look, first and First and foremost, this isn't the first time that the local Republican Party nominated George Santos to run for Congress in this district. It's the second time that they did that. They stood with him. They endorsed him. They took pictures with him until it was no longer convenient for them. And so I think uh, on one hand, you look at the Republican Party here, the extreme MAGA Republicans, and they're complicit. They'll try to pretend that they're you know, normal, old school, compassionate conservatives. And at the end of the day, they uplifted the MAGA craziness of George Santos as much as anybody. And in and then, you know, the the moment of the pandemic really again shifted this community to a politics of fear. I talked about the library race, but it's actually appropriate for me to go back a year prior. In 2021, my town, the town of North Hempstead, for the first time in 30 years, had a red wave. Um, I'm 29 years old, so first time in my lifetime had a red wave. And you know this this is this is the Democratic heart. Ronald Reagan said this is where Republicans are going to die. Like this is not the place that right. Republicans historically would have much success. And yet, because of the the way the world changed during the pandemic, this politics of fear took hold. And people who had traditionally not voted for Republicans started to vote for Republicans. And so when they voted for George Santos, I don't believe that people really were voting for George Santos, the, the you know, the, 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 what do you work at? Goldman Sachs, the volleyball captain. I mean, all the lies and lies and lies and right. lies. They voted for him because he was another Republican. They just, they were voting for Republicans. I mean, Chuck Schumer had the worst performance in, in Nassau County, I think, since the beginning of his, his career, his Senate career. You know, the governor, Kathy Hochul, lost here to the to the, the Republican candidate for governor, Lee Zeldin. This is this was not a place in 2022 that was favorable toward 
Democrats. And at the same time, we didn't do the work to earn people's support that we needed to. We didn't have the camp candidates up that would generate enthusiasm locally that would allow for us to win. And when you keep putting up the same names time and time again, you get to this level, you referred to it earlier, of complacency that uh, led to Democrats staying at home. In fact, the same number of people, I believe, roughly, voted for the Democratic nominee this cycle as voted in the last cycle when we won the, the seat. It's Republicans who generated enthusiasm. So that level of complacency definitely took hold. There was this politics of stability, truly, that was the politics of the past. And then now that politics of stability only remained with the, the core Democratic base and not with the rest of the district. And yeah. that's where we are today. Well, I have another question to that since, yeah. and this could honestly apply like nationwide, because yeah. we've been having a lot of conversations with people about how so much of the Democratic vote just stays at home. Like yeah. you could look at Texas, you could look at Florida and you could like look at like the registration numbers and you'll see spots where there's more Democrats registered than Republicans. And yet then the Republicans still win and they win obviously in the turnout because it's a turnout game in a lot of cases. And I'm curious what your perspective is on Democrats not showing up. Well, one thing that comes to mind initially is like, this is where party infrastructure matters so much. I mean, you saw how we won the Supreme Court race, state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin only right. like back in April, right? I think you covered that. That That's because there was a really strong party infrastructure in a state that didn't take winning for granted in place. That's right. why Michigan, for the first time since 1984, has a trifecta. The next 50 played a big role in that. And so it's in states like California and New York, in the wake of the Dobbs decision, people didn't feel like their rights were under threat because they the 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 complacency the the history of democrats succeeding and leading and winning uh, really took hold we need something new here in in new york state perhaps in california although i don't want to speak speak to that maddie that might be your 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 wheelhouse but i know here in new york it's time to build something new and i don't i'm not the type of candidate who's running who's saying out with the old in with the new I'm the type of candidate who says we need to build together. We need new and fresh ideas. And we also need the folks who know how the ship's been built to, to rebuild this place. And that's what I'm committed to as a candidate is running for office as, as somebody who is going to bring fresh and new ideas, who knows what it's like to win in competitive places and build the infrastructure to win in competitive places. Doesn't take this place for granted. Doesn't take his hometown for granted doesn't take his leadership and his community for granted whatsoever, knows we have to go out and earn every single vote. And we can't stop just when we're in cycle. We have to do it when we're out of cycle. We have to do it year in and year out. This is a diverse community for what it's worth. We're talking about a district that right now has 15% Asian population, 10% Latino population, 5% Black population. Within the, within the, the rest of the, the district, you have a pretty heavy Middle Eastern population, the largest Persian Jewish population in the country outside of Beverly Hills. And so this this community is not your traditional or perceived to be traditional white suburban swing district. Right. And so we need to invest in the diversity of this district. We need to make sure that we have Asian American organizing groups and efforts. We need Latino organizing efforts in this community. And there hasn't been much of an investment in that. And as this community changed, oh, by the way, an immigrant organizing effort here because there's a roughly 20 to 30% immigrant population. This is the stuff they did in Georgia that allowed for Senator Warnock and Senator Ossoff to be elected. We need to be doing that here in Nassau County and in Northeast Queens and across New York State. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I want to talk about your campaign video that came out a little bit. Yeah. It was the perfect mix of like some subtle shade to, you know, George Santos, but also just like highlight like who you are. You came from this district, like you and kind of highlighted how literally the life that George Santos created was similar to yours, which is just so ironic and funny. But I'm curious to like your perspective on how the George Santos thing even happened, like talking about the complacency of voters. I mean, is there was there just a complacency across the board from like the party to even the press of like actually vetting this guy and, you know, getting into the weeds of like who he really was? I'm just still so mind blown that all of this just completely got looked over. It was a wholesale failure from the party to the media. I mean, this was not, again, he was, this wasn't the first time he was nominated by the Republican Party for Congress. This was the second time. People knew what was going on and they didn't act. They didn't raise the alarm. And, you know, I think, look, ultimately I'm running as a Democrat for Congress. And so I think we have to own our role in this as a party. And at the same time, make sure that we're calling out the Republicans for the fact that they are responsible for nominating this guy, not once, but twice to be a representative of Congress in Congress. And and people are suffering right now because he's in Congress. We don't have somebody who can perform basic constituent services for our community. That's devastating uh, for this place that is struggling right now because you know our dollar does not go as far right now as it did before the pandemic with with rising inflation. Uh, we don't have the salt deduction here. That that's a big deal uh, in this district. And so you know now that you know, George Santos is a member of Congress, everyone wants to blame another person for why we are where we are. I don't believe that this is the community that anybody really wants to be living in, with a member of Congress like George Santos representing them, but. People need to take responsibility for what took place. And at this point, I don't see a single person, Republican, Democrat, in the media, who's actually taken responsibility for George Santos being in the position he's in right now, who's essentially holding our community hostage. That's a problem. That's a real problem. And I, I didn't see anybody willing to step up to make sure that we held the folks accountable who put us in this place to start with. And that's, that's a big reason why I'm doing this, because I don't see anybody stepping up who has the confidence, who, who, who has the, the commitment to make sure that we, we don't let our community continue to be stained by the legacy of George Sanders. We got to wipe that clean and restore the integrity that this district has had for the past century. Uh, the, the failure is wholesale. It's across the board. And I hope to build a new legacy on top of that. Yeah. No, totally. And that is such a good point of like no one sort of stepping up to the plate to like take accountability for the how we got here. It's a lot of and look, we're guilty of it, too. Like, oh, my God, did you see this next new lie? This is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Yada, yada, yada. But like there isn't a lot of conversation about the how we got there, which is kind of like why we're even having this conversation about it, because it's yeah. It seems confusing to most people. And then you get distracted by the next lie and, you know, you forget about the those questions. Right. And like and like Trump, then you just start like ignoring yeah. all the lies because it just keeps on going and going and going. And then you tune it out and become immune to it. It's not not where we can. Yeah. Well, it's way. look at the sign of a good con man. The more lies you spend, the more distracted people get, the further you can go, because yeah. 
you have all these smoke screens up. So like not to give him any credit, but the guy's not so bad at being a con man. He's got like <laughs> his ducks in a row, like him and Trump definitely like do a little collab, a little moment. I see it. So, yeah, I, I, I'd like for my community to not be represented by mm-hmm. a really skilled con man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I look, I agree. And I think we need to also talk about the issues you're running on, yeah. too. Right. Like. In addition to sort of wiping the slate clean and bringing a a new era into, you know, into the 21st century here for your district, like what issues are at the forefront for you? Like what are like the two things you're like, this needs to happen. I want to make sure this happens in Congress. Well, look, I, I always bring it back to the fact that my grandmother moved here as an immigrant over 60 years ago to raise her family here because of the promise of public education. And I don't, I think it's important that we make this campaign that censors itself on on the the value of public education while it is so apparently under threat here. In fact, this, the day after I launched my campaign, I was at my uh, administrative building for my school district until four in the morning waiting for the votes to be counted for our budget, school budget race and our school board elections. And we won. But those votes were challenged time and time again by extreme MAGA Republicans here. And I want to make sure that this community takes a stand, that we are a proud pro-public education community and district. On top of that, though, we also need to be pro-public safety. And actually, that intersects with our schools. First and foremost, the first trip I ever made to Albany was to advocate for gun safety with my then Assemblywoman, Michelle Schimmel, and New Yorkers Against Gun Violence in 2009. Unfortunately, 11 years later, the dawn of the pandemic, I lost a friend to gun violence. And so to me, these issues of public education and public safety are deeply personal. And it actually even intersected with my school district only two weeks ago when folks intruded into my high school, the high school I grew up in that I went to, with a plan to attack a student. Six people entered the school with a plan to attack a student. Like no student should go to school every day fearing for their safety. Right. So we need to prioritize that. Um, And at the same time, recognize that as young people who want to build the families that my mother and my father have been able to build for 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 in this community, that my grandmother was able to move here with my grandfather um, and raise a family here. We need to make sure that the the American dream is affordable and accessible to all. And the idea of really prioritizing building a campaign around cost of living is is center central to me, because you know if if people can't afford to live out the American dream in this district, then what what are we in this for? Are we here to grandstand on issues? Like we have to bring this back to kitchen table issues. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the last thing I'll just say, I'm running to be a next generation member of Congress. We don't need someone elected to Congress who's going to be asking what is the Facebook and how does the Facebook make money? And so I want I want to make sure that as a member of Congress, I'm able to prepare my community for the 21st century workforce that is being radically reshaped by artificial intelligence. And I am, I'm familiar with that. I, I'm aware of it. I have friends who are building some of the leading companies in the, in the field. And this is a community of lawyers, doctors, and, and finance professionals. Those industries are going to be disrupted by this. And we need somebody who's prepared to work on the front lines of preparing this community for the changing economy. Uh, so that, you know, our schools are, are preparing students for the 21st century so people are safe to to live in this community. And, and third, they're able to afford to to live out that American dream here. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You present like an interesting point in that we need to have people that actually understand how technology works yeah. and what our 
what things are happening. So it's actually a conversation last night kind of about this in the essence of like in our society, we have certain things that are so ahead and other things that are so behind. And it's almost like depending on what sector you're in, you could be living in 1950 or you could be living in like 3,600, like whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And when you like look at Congress in a lot of ways, it's like, oh, my God, like like I'm shocked they're not still wearing, you know, white wigs and the whole get up. And yeah. then when you like go to think about like tech and you're like AI, you're like, oh my God, robots taking over the world. So you have like such extremes and like trying to put those two together doesn't always mesh or work. And trying to actually people that understand at least the middle ground of that, I think is really key. And young people that have grown up as digital natives, in a lot of ways, I think definitely is a part of that conversation. Right. And so I'm curious too, like if that's been something that you've heard on the campaign trail, like in talking to people, like, are they concerned about technology? Are they concerned about AI? Like, I know, like, it creeps me the fuck out personally, but like, curious, like, what you're hearing. It's not an immediate concern, truth be told. Okay. Uh, I think this is, this is, this is a, a matter of having a vision for what this community and district can become. And as long as I've lived here, I've never been around political leaders who actually presented a vision for what the future of this community could be. We always talked about our history and we never talked about our future. And I want to be someone who is centering my leadership around our future uh, that gives us something to look toward and look uh, and build for. And, you know, do that all while recognizing the urgent priorities of today, preserving public education and and, and people's public safety. Um, And so, I think that in being this next generation leader, I'm not just going to represent the interests of this community for the next two years. I'm going to be representing this community's interests for the next 50 years. I guess we're coming full circle here, but that's really what I'm in this for. We have to be building for the future. Otherwise, we're going to be fighting this battle with another George Santos or some someone like George Santos coming up again in 10 or 15 years. And we're going to do this all over again. So we need to be building for something, building towards something. I want people to come to this community and say, like, we're going to be the next this, or we're going to be the next that. We're building for something. Not we were the place of the great mm-hmm. Gatsby. Right. You know, I want to be, I want to be the place that's going to become something still and isn't living in its past. For sure. I love that. Well, you're not the only Democrat in this race currently. So can you kind of paint that picture too? We know the George Santos part yeah. of it, but let's talk about this Democratic primary. Like, what's the rundown on on all of that? Well. I'll just start with an electoral case. And it's that, unfortunately, everybody else who is putting their hat into the ring or is considering putting their hat into the ring has been wholesale rejected by this community over the last couple of years. Uh, Whether they lost substantially in a Democratic primary or they lost by about eight points in a general election, these are risks that we can't afford to take. If we're going to win this seat back, restore integrity to this district, and also make sure that Leader Jeffries becomes Speaker Jeffries. And right now, I think that being a new candidate and a fresh face isn't a risk because we saw it work last cycle on the other side. So why don't we try something like that on this side, but know that this 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 time we're going to run a candidate who has integrity, who knows what it takes to win in a seat like this, and who's of the community, from the community, and is running on the values of the community because those are the values that raise me. And so as I look at this field, I know that I'm the person who's best positioned to win this seat in a general election, hands down. There's no question about that. But we have to do the work to earn people's support because I'm the only, I I am running as a first-time candidate. 
And that means that we have to show up. We have to get out there. We also have to raise the resources to be a successful campaign. And that's why raising over $225,000 in our first 24 hours put our campaign on the map. We talk about the Next 50 right early on in this call. And one of the things that the Next 50 really stands for is making sure that people not having access to a donor network doesn't inhibit their ability to lead. I'm fortunate to have built a community of folks who are ready to invest in this campaign, um, but it's going to take a lot more to build a campaign that can run and win. Right now, we're off to an amazing start, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I fully believe that this campaign, as we continue to build our build our case and get out there, is going to be one that excites people, like generates enthusiasm, and will have the resources to deliver a victory for uh, the community, for the Democratic Party locally, for the Democratic Party nationally. And we'll wipe this district clean of the stain that is George Santos. Yeah. A stain. Oh, yeah. Like Clorox bleach is not getting that out. It's going to take a little, <laughs> something like a little grittier, but I, I think you're definitely the person to do it. In terms of getting involved with your campaign, yeah. right? Helping build that infrastructure, you know, getting into it all. What can people do? How can they help? How can they yeah. learn more? Give us the whole tip. ZachforCongress.com is the place to go. You can follow Zach for Congress on Instagram or Zach Malamud on Twitter to to learn more. From time to time, you'll see me going around the block and sharing a selfie video on what I've learned that day or the issues that are facing my community. I'll try to ramp that up in the weeks and months ahead. But also, you know, as uh, if folks are in the New York City area ever, which I imagine a handful of your followers are, we are the first suburb outside of of of. Well, technically, 20 to 30% of my district is in Queens. So we're actually still in the city. We're really close. We're really accessible. 20, 20 minute train ride from the heart of the city. If you want to come and, and volunteer and get involved, we'd love to have you. And then, of course, you can go to ZachForCongress.com right now and chip in whatever you can, because right now a campaign is only as viable as the resources that we have to, to build out and, and, and build our volunteer infrastructure. So and I would love for folks to get involved, help elevate the campaign. Uh, we're 12 months away from the primary, so there's a long haul ahead of, ahead of this. I'm looking forward to touching base with you in a couple months and talking about the work we're doing on the ground to 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 get people support. But right now, we're building the campaign uh, that will allow for us uh, to win. I'm excited to take those learnings back to you and all the young candidates that the next 50 supported too, so that all these folks can uh, learn from our our successes and our, our mistakes and build uh, great campaigns with them. Thanks, Zane. Well, we're so proud of you. <laughs> This is going to be so exciting to watch. And thank you for finally coming on the show. Thanks for finally inviting me. (laughs) (laughs) You're always welcome here. But thank you again. (laughs) No, thank you both. And and thanks to your whole community of of followers and listeners for the work that they're doing to to stay involved. It's it's what we need to win the House, win the presidency in 24 and keep the Senate. So thank you all and the state legislature and all of that you know we've got a lot of work (laughs) all the things all All the the things. things